Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. It's 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, we'd love to hear from you throughout the program. We're going to go down to Charlotte at the bottom of this half hour. Our friend D.C. McAllister is actually from there and is going to give us uh, her take on the position on the ground. It's so sad, isn't it? To see people acting once again the way they're acting. 17 cops injured the night before, what, six or seven last night. You know, if that doesn't, if that does not create in you, follow, let's start over the weekend. We've got New York, we've got New Jersey, we've got all these incidents, radical Islamists, then the search goes on for another radical Islamist and. Then you watch the politicians, you know, squirm and turn themselves into a pretzel and they can't decide or decipher. Well, this was intentional. We know it's intentional, but it's not related. No indication. It's and it's certainly not foreign. Don't don't let anybody tell you that it's related to radical Islam in any way, because that's a rush to judgment and unfair. That's sad, isn't it? This is now the new reality, the world we live in. President and Hillary Clinton insisting we got to take in more refugees. Just their steadfast refusal to listen to the top national intelligence security experts our country has to offer that are all warning ISIS will infiltrate the refugee population. And then we then we have another. Let's see. We've had it in Ferguson. We've had it in Baltimore. Same story. You're watching the TV. I did two nonstop hours last night. What do we see? We see. Cops being pelted with rocks and bottles and stores being looted just like the night before. Now, kudos to the governor of of North Carolina. Now he's calling in the National Guard, but we still don't know what to expect tonight. We still don't. And nobody. Where's the president? 
Where's Mr. Rush to judgment? The Cambridge police acted stupidly. If 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 this was me 35, it could have been me 35 years ago in the Trayvon Martin case. Trayvon could look like my son. Where was he last night calming the waters and telling people, wait for the facts to come in here? Now, we have conflicting reports. And by the way, by all indications, because the family has been brought in to see the video, uh, I think that we know what's going to happen here. We have two very different versions that have emerged. One, the police say that the person killed, Keith Lamont Scott, um, disregarded repeated demands to drop his gun. By the way, I know it shouldn't matter, but it does matter in the minds of people that see everything through a racial prism. The cop happened to be black in this case, but I guess that doesn't matter. You get two. Then, of course, you have other people, neighborhood residents, saying that he was holding a book. Well, they found a gun and they found a holster on Keith Lamont Scott, and they have a video of it that they're going to show the family today and the family had gone out on facebook i guess it was a sister or somebody and just you know for an hour ranting about how this person was killed and in cold blood by the police now there's either one or the other it was either a book or a gun i doubt there's a book and a gun now if it turns out to be the gun and it turns out that they've got it on video and they don't want to release the video for obvious reasons. It's an ongoing investigation. Then I guess we're going to know fairly soon what happened. And there's only one presidential candidate that has the guts to actually say what needs to be said. And that happens to be Donald Trump. And he, he blasted what's going on in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, he was at an oil and gas fracking industry. By the way, Hillary wants to put coal miners out of work and coal companies out of business. She used to be for fracking. Now she's against fracking because she's giving in to all the environmental extremists. And, of course, we know she's against oil drilling. Do you know how many millions of high-paying jobs we can have for Americans if we pursue the policy of energy independence? One of the smartest things we could do. We're such a dumb country. We have more natural gas, more coal, more oil than, than the Middle East combined. And we could fuel this country the lifeblood of our economy and help Western Europe for over 100 years, and we don't do it. That makes us a pretty stupid people. And then we're beholden to the Saudis and Middle Eastern countries for their oil. No wonder why they're so rich. Because we're stupid. They're rich. We're stupid. They're, they're smart. We're dumb. We're dependent on them. They hate our guts. It's a form of insanity the way this country is run. Anyway, Trump said we honor and recognize the right of all Americans to peacefully assemble, to protest, to demonstrate. But you don't have a right to engage in violent disruption, threaten the public safety and the peace of others. And I'll add to that, nor do you have the right to destroy people's life dreams of building a business by robbing and looting stores. What, what does that have to do with this case? All it is is opportunists seeing a chance to go out there and rob and steal from innocent people. I mean, you've got to be kidding me here. And nobody has the courage, the wherewithal, the understanding, the wisdom, the insight to just state the obvious or they don't want to offend a particular, what, a particular voting group? What, what's going on here? There's something really, really wrong if we can't just stand up and state the obvious. And the obvious in this case is that this needs to be stopped. You know, and Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump gives aid and comfort to the to the enemies. We're talking about the the terrorist. 
I'm watching what's happening here last night, and I'm, it's breaking my heart. You cannot watch this and not have a sense of profound and deep sadness that once again America has got to watch this madness unfold in an American city. Here we have an African-American police officer defending himself against an armed black suspect who refused to drop his gun, which wouldn't and shouldn't be the least bit controversial, but apparently it is. And in the face of what could certainly be determined as a legitimate police action, assuming that this video, I'm sure they wouldn't invite the family in if they didn't have video that actually proved what I said is true. Now the family's going to see that it wasn't a book, but it was a gun that he had. And in the face of all of this, you, you have to ask, where is the leadership in this country? Where's Hillary Clinton in this issue? Well, Hillary Clinton rushed to judgment the same way Obama has rushed to judgment in previous cases. And, you know, the Cambridge police acted stupidly. Let's have a beer summit and, and let's, let's all celebrate that I, I screwed up. I won't say I'm sorry. I won't admit I'm wrong. I'm too prideful and radical and rigid for that. So we'll just have a beer summit. We'll let the media come and we'll call it a day. And then in the Trayvon Martin case, that could have been me 35 years ago. Well, I guess maybe when he was a member of the Choom gang smoking pot every day and doing whatever else he was doing, I guess maybe it could have been him. I don't know. Or it could have been my son. And here's the president. He is a constitutional attorney. And in Cambridge, he rushed to judgment without any facts, without any evidence presented, without any due process. None of that, no, no presumption of innocence. Well, now we got Hillary Clinton doing the same thing here. Speaking yesterday at a campaign event in Orlando, Hillary Clinton called the shooting death of black men at the hands of police in Tulsa and Charlotte unbearable. It is in many ways that it is unbearable. Then she said, there is still much we don't know about what happened in the incidents, but we do know we have two more names to add to the list of African-Americans killed by police officers in these encounters. It's unbearable and it needs to become intolerable. OK, now. The president rushed to judgment, remember, in the case of Michael Brown, and then we had what happened in Ferguson and then in the case of Freddie Gray, and then we had what happened in Baltimore. And it's the same scenario kind of unfolding right before our very eyes. So now I ask the question, OK, how does a president rush to judgment without due process, without any evidence, without a presumption of innocence? When we got a guy on tape robbing a store, intimidating a clerk. And in the end, if they would have waited instead of rushing to judgment, we had black eyewitnesses in Ferguson, Missouri, that defended Darren Wilson's account of what happened. And in fact, it was Michael Brown that was the aggressor. Michael Brown, who Brown, who fought Darren Wilson for the gun inside of the cop car where the first shot went off. Then Michael Brown ran away and then Michael Brown charged back at Darren Wilson. And Darren Wilson did the only thing he could possibly do, and that's defend himself. And that's why he wasn't indicted in that particular case. Now, we were told to lie. Hands up. Don't shoot. We were told to lie. He was shot in the back. We were told to lie. In this case, I'm betting I'm just I'm going out on a limb here based on the fact that they're inviting the family in to view the video. They wouldn't be inviting the family in to view the video if it was a book. I'm just going out on a limb using the common sense God gave me. I'm not being Obama. I'm just putting, you know, simple reasoning to work here. 
But the president rushed to judgment there. In the Freddie Gray case, who runs from a police officer on a bicycle at 8.30 in the morning? Who would run from it? Let me see. I'm standing at the bus stop. I'm hanging out with my buddies. We're playing stickball, a cop on a bicycle. Now, why is somebody going to take off and run? What reason could you possibly have? Oh, he was a known heroin dealer, Freddie Gray. That's right. Oh, I forgot that. Poisoning the minds and hearts and people in the community. Don't we care about people in the community? I do. What do you consider somebody? I consider the lowest scum parasite in the world somebody that would sell a drug like heroin that you know is killing somebody to make a profit. Is there anything lower in life? I don't think so. And then, of course, the president rushed to judgment in all these cases. Did, you, did he ever say, I'm sorry? No. Maybe I can, Hillary says, by speaking directly to white people, explain this is not who we are. She said that on Steve Harvey's morning radio program about speaking directly to white people about racism. Maybe, she says, I can speak directly to white people and say, look, this is not who we are. We have to do everything possible to improve policing to do right at implicit bias. There are good, honorable, cool-headed police officers. We've seen them in action in New York in the last, you know, 48 hours. How quickly she forgot. Of the terrorist attacks, we can do better. We have to rein in what is absolutely inexplicable, and we have to have law enforcement respect communities and communities respect law enforcement. because This is meaningless. The cop was black. What does that mean? Maybe I can speak directly to white people. No, there wasn't a white person involved here. What is she talking about? But this adds to a narrative, when you think about it, that Barack Obama started. Now, here's the point that nobody else is going to tell you. I'll step out on a limb, like I always do, and say what nobody else will say. Apparently, Well, Mark Levin usually does. I'll say it. Nobody else will say it. I'll do it. And I give him credit for that. He's my buddy. We were texting earlier today. But I'm going to say, what? No, how is it that both Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton have embraced the Black Lives Matter movement, a movement founded on a false, phony narrative, hands up, don't shoot? Because Barack Obama... You know, has invited the group whose members have chanted, what do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? By the way, that's not a small chant. That's a lot of people. Members of that group got invited to the Oval Office more than once. Should they be at the Oval Office? Should Al Sharpton be in the Oval Office 150 times? I'll, I'll start there. And then, of course, you can add to that, Hillary Clinton has sought out the counsel, wisdom, and advice of Black Lives Matter on criminal justice issues. There's something wrong here. Something wrong. This is sad. And in the face of what I think will almost certainly be determined in the end to be legitimate police action, and I'm going out on a limb here, you've got another riot erupting in New York. The officer's black, 
The suspect he shot is black. The police chief is black. Yet the response from the dead man's brother, quote, was this. I just know all these white people are effing devils. All white cops are effing devils and white people. There's nobody white here. And God forbid if it was a white person and it was a legitimate action, where have they learned to rush the judgment? From Obama? From Hillary Clinton who wants to talk to all white people? Just know that all white people are f- devils. And make sure you air that one. Air that Don't take that All down. white cops are f- devils and white people. How in God's name can you blame white people for a shooting in Charlotte when all major players on both sides happen to, in this case, be black. Now, if everybody really gave a damn, as we do on this program, that all lives matter, maybe they would do, I am the only show in America that has actually scrolled the names of 3,660 dead people, over 75% of which happen to be black Americans killed in Chicago. I know the name's not Trayvon Martin. I know it's not Michael Brown. I know it's not Freddie Gray. Do you know the name of even one? Does that not tell you that it's not about anything other than politics by those on the left? Because if they really gave a damn, you'd know those names. And the president would have gotten out of his little helicopter and plane that we pay for And he probably would have spent a little bit of time in his home city of Chicago. 3,000 people shot this year, 3,660 plus now dead in his home city. And he doesn't lift a a finger. Apologies about last night. We didn't get the Trump town hall that we had taped yesterday on the air because of all the breaking news out of Charlotte. And we're going to do everything we can do. I don't even think we're going to get it on tonight. I mean, the National Guard has been called in. And anyway, um. What was I going to say? All right. So we're going to try and get it in as soon as possible. Uh, joining us now is a good friend of this program, D.C. McAllister with the Federalist and PJ Media. She lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is here to give us a firsthand account of what is happening on the ground. Now that Governor Pat McCrory has declared a state of emergency and uh, the mayor of Charlotte said that uh, appealing to protesters to go home, pledging that the city would conduct a thorough, transparent investigation, and apparently also to the family of this individual that was shot that we keep talking about. Well, Keith Lamont Scott, his family has had an opportunity today to see the video. Anyway, 800-941-SHAWN is our number. Uh, DC, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, all right. So this is the city you love. And you're watching it burn and you're watching the looting and you're watching the violence and you see cops being pelted with rocks and and bottles and everything else. And police responding back with flash bombs and mace and and whatever else they need to use to contain this. What are your thoughts? I've lived in this city for many years and it's a peaceful city. Race relations are great here. And to have this come into our hometown and have people from Black Lives Matter and the Nation of Islam, you know, import this kind of violence into our, into our city is just offensive to those of us who live here. You know, we have to warn our children about this. They're concerned. We had to have a report given by our um, superintendent and sent out counselors to our schools because the kids are concerned. They see what's going on, and they don't know what's happening, and they're scared. And we just don't appreciate this kind of violence coming in over something that is not 
not worthy of this kind of reaction. In fact, nothing is worthy of this kind of reaction. Well, and, you know, but you listen to Hillary Clinton. I was talking about this in the last hour. I mean, uh, you know, some of her comments are just absolutely absurd about the whole issue. And what do you know about the police chief? This is the police chief is black. Our student, our um, city council is mostly black. The cop that shot this man is black. We do not have a race race issue in this city. We just don't. And the other thing people are bringing about, you talked about the um, video that was released today. That's the latest thing. And everyone's making a big deal that well, it didn't show that the gun was actually pointed at the cops. I want to I want to bring some information to you if you don't know about it. This man, Keith Scott, has a prior history of violent crime. He was in prison for seven years, only released in 2011. He was in prison in Texas for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Okay, so if they did a police report, if they looked at his license and they got his name, that would have immediately come up. Let me tell you, if you are a felon, you are not allowed to have a gun. So even him just holding this gun and them seeing him with this gun is cause for them to be on high alert and he was committing a crime even by having possession of that. Why let facts get in the way of a good story? Exactly. He also had a prior history all the way back to 1992 with assault in both South Carolina and North Carolina with charges. So this is not a, a peaceful man. Remember the peaceful giant you know, we had with Michael Brown? We're getting this again now, this caricature, this portrayal of someone that's just not true. Now, does that mean that you convict him by his past criminal behavior? No, but like I said, he was not allowed to have a gun. If he had a gun, that was cause enough for major concern beyond other kind of situations that the cop faces. So you know, we need to look at the entire facts of the case. People are not doing that. And they're also not looking at what's actually going on in the city. And to have the Nation of Islam leader come out and say that they need to economically boycott Charlotte because we hate black people here is ridiculous. Everybody involved in this case happens to be black. Exactly. A black police chief. The person that was shot is black. The person that shot him, the police officer, is black. You know, Al Sharpton actually said that black cops think they can shoot black suspects. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I know they like to say that, you know, racism, it's in the system. It doesn't matter if they're black or white. It's the system itself that's racist. No, it's not. And I'd also like to bring some statistics to everyone. In Charlotte, we have a really peaceful community. We do have crime here. Sad to say, most of the violent crime happens in black communities. And let me tell you, out of all the homicides that happen in this, in this city, 63% of homicide victims are black men. Okay, victims. Well, 68% of those are shot by black men. So this is a lot of black-on-black crime going on in this, in this city. And we need to look at what's going on. And we've actually had discussions with, between our mayor and our police chief prior to this, early in this year. And they came out and said, there's problems with economic problems, social problems, there's economically isolated and socially isolated individuals, and we need to help them. This is a, a black community problem from, you know, that's social and economic, and they're disenfranchised. Well, maybe that goes to my argument that I was making, and we did this town hall at Pastor Scott's church in Cleveland yesterday, and you know I talk a lot about how bad things have gotten under Obama, the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, 95 million Americans out of work, worst recovery since the 40s, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. We have, what, 12 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more Americans in poverty, median household income lower than it was in 2007, one in five households, not a single family member working, but D.C., 
when you start breaking it down demographically for the black community in this country, it's, it's dramatically and profoundly worse. It is. And so when everything starts to sink, they're going to get hurt the most. But also I have something else to share with you. In Charlotte in particular, crime rates had been going down in our city. But in the last year, since 2014, violent crime rates have been increasing. And one of the problems that the police chief and they t- and talked about prior to this situation is that because of what has been going on with across the nation with the narrative that cops can't be trusted and they're out to kill black people, there's been less communication, less trust in our community between blacks and cops. So re- crimes aren't being reported. People resist arrest more. And this is causing more problems and increased crime. So it's a self-perpetuating problem. The more we do this kind of narrative and this kind of propaganda, we're actually creating the problems we say are being caused by intrinsic systemic racism, which it's not. You know, it's just depressing, as I said earlier. I mean, this is not the first time. I I guess it's not going to be the last time. It seems to be now standard operating procedure. Um, one of the NAACP leaders says it doesn't matter if Keith Scott had a gun. I'm like, yeah, it does matter. And if he was a felon and shouldn't have had a gun legally, that matters even more. Now, there was a UK, um, UK article that, that came out, and violence was so bad in parts of Charlotte last night, that, um, and it was allowed to continue, and police kind of stood guarding the perimeter. I don't know if that's going to change tonight, and, and they were you know, firing rubber bullets and mace and, and flashbangs and, and doing everything I guess they could do with the manpower that I guess that they had, which probably wasn't enough. But, you know, did the mayor, in this case, Jennifer Roberts, give the police a stand-down order so that, you know, people could do, I guess, in the words of fellow Democrat Baltimore Mayor Rawlings, you know, give them space to destroy. Remember that in Baltimore? Do we know yeah. what happened there? It was chaos. And, you know, and, and I don't know what happened as far as the order goes. Hopefully tonight it'll be different because we have, you know, a state of emergency declared by our governor here. So the police are going to have more support. And, and property deserves to be protected and lives need to be protected. You know, like, like I've said be, before about the subject, this, these people aren't protesters. They're thugs and rioters. Do you know if any of these people are coming from outside the area? I don't. Um, but I do know, I covered um, a case here uh, last year that was between about a white cop who killed a um, young black man, shot him many times, and he, it was in self-defense. The trial ended in a mistrial. The video showed that the young man actually charged the police and he was shot. Um, during that time, um, the Justice Department sent their community, community relations service, that unit within the Justice Department that's supposed to be the peacemakers. They're the ones who actually were encouraging and teaching rioters down at the RNC at Tampa how to riot and how to protest. Unbelievable. Yeah, so they they were also in Ferguson. And so they they were here last year with that, kind of helping guide race relations in Charlotte. Well, no, thank you. We don't really need your kind of guidance. So are they still here? And we also had Black Lives Matter that was here during that. And they tried to do protests after that mistrial, but they kind of fizzled. They were out in the streets, but just it, they didn't really gin up the people like they wanted to. Well, now it's happening right before election, which is very convenient, don't you think? And they're here, and they're ginning it all up, and we're seeing violence in our beautiful city, which is normally peaceful and a wonderful place to live You know, for um, everyone. No, I believe that. And you know what? I have a lot of friends in North Carolina, and I'm very fond of the state. And the governor, I thought, did a good job last night by coming out as he did. 
And uh, I just wish things were better. We'll be watching tonight, D.C. McAllister. Uh, it's been a while. And uh, what do you think about the election? You're always following it closely. I am. It's, it's exhausting, but exciting and interesting. And I just hope people show up at the polls in November and vote for someone who's actually going to put a stop to the tyranny of the left. You were a big supporter of Ted Cruz. Are you mad at Ted for not supporting Trump? I'm disappointed in him, and I'm disappointed in anyone who's not going to at least come out and say I'm going to vote for him in order to take seriously the threat from the Democratic Party and what it's become. Yeah, I think that's well said. All right, D.C. McAllister, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being with us. 800 941 Sean is a number if you want to be a part of the program. All right, let's get to our busy telephones here. As uh, Well, we got our buddy Tavares. We're not allowed to play his intro music because we were threatened with a lawsuit. You know, I mean, Tavares, more than a wom- woman? I can't say that? It's unbelievable. More than a woman. More right. than a woman. Hey, everybody. Go ahead, do come it. together. Everybody love each other. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this, Sean. I'm listening. I live in North Go ahead. Carolina. I'm, a, I'm, about, I'm about four and a half hours, about four hours away from Charlotte. And uh, I know that you love me. I love your staff. I'm a black male. And that could have been me, right? So if that were me, right? Um, my constitution basically tells me I don't I don't have a criminal record, so I have the right to bear arms. But the constitution also tells me that I have the right to resist an unlawful arrest. The constitution also says I have the right to defend myself upon an unlawful arrest. Now, society tells me that you're supposed to lay down and be a good puppy and, and let the police rub your belly, and then when they're done taking your dignity, they're let you go and everybody will be okay with all due respect and, well, Tavares, and i've known you a lot of years you know the last thing anybody you can't pay them enough to rub your belly i just can't right right it, it, it's not it's not that flattering it's, it's only flattering to my wife that sometimes i think she, she at least she makes a face like it's flattering when she rubs my belly but i i really think she's doing it because the bible tells her she has to and and I tell it. I said the Bible tells you that, baby. You got you got to rub my belly. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, what what I'm saying is, I love I love my city. I'm a Panthers fan. I've been to Charlotte, and what's happening right now is 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 deplorable. In 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 my uh, first lady, first president Clinton's uh, words, is deplorable what's going on. And and I don't believe in throwing a rock in order to get your voice heard. You you voice your opinion, and then and, and then you go from there. But I'll, I know what you're going to do and what people on the right tend to do. They tend to go after the young, the, the, the victim's character, go after in the past, but they don't want to look at the past. Can I ask a question? What? You, well, well, hang on a second, because we have a, a fact sheet on this, and we know where the guy's oh, wow. history has been, and... I'm just asking mm-hmm. you, you say, you know, the NAACP leader says, oh, it doesn't matter if Keith Scott had a gun. And I'm like, yeah, it does matter, especially based on his rap sheet. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing. Well, I mean, but everyone's trying to see this through a racial prism. Now, for example, the friends and family of Keith Lamont Scott, the guy killed by police this week, portray him as a family guy and he's really likable. And the Charlotte Observer points out, I'm sure you trust them, a liberal newspaper, that Scott was convicted of a misdemeanor assault with a deadly weapon in the county and other charges stemming from the date were dismissed. Felony assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill and misdemeanors assault on a, on a child under 12 and assault on a female and communicating. Let me find I'm not done yet. I mean, the, the rap sheet goes on quite a bit more. And um, let's see, communicating threats. 
He was found driving while intoxicated. He was charged with several different crimes on different dates, including carrying a concealed weapon, not a gun, simple assault, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, pled guilty to all charges. He was also charged again with aggravated assault with intent to kill. Now, those charges were later reduced, but that's what he was originally charged with. He was also sentenced to 15 months in jail for evading arrest. And also, he has been sentenced to seven years in prison on conviction of an aggravated assault with a deadly weapon charge. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm, he's just a, chime in? Yeah, just a nice guy in the neighborhood, regular guy in can the I neighborhood. Can I chime in? Yeah, go ahead. Can, can I chime in? Okay. Model none citizen. Of those are for de- none of those are sentenced for death. Didn't and, say he was. And number two, n- number two was, his, was his firearm discharge. Number okay. three. The firearm discharge all- doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean a damn thing. Somebody has a weapon and you're talking. Listen, if you have a gun in your hand, listen, let me tell you how the real world works. okay? and I'm trained in the use of a firearm since I'm 11. I've been a marksman. Okay, you're in a situation and a cop says to you, put that weapon down. That means you very, very delicately and slowly you put the weapon down. If you don't put the weapon down and you move in any jerky, herky fashion, you're going to get shot. Why? Because the police officer, who has a family likely on his own, is he has the right to go home, too. I think you understand that, right? The Constitution tells me that I don't have to put my gun down. I don't have to disarm. You can't come up to me, ride up to me, and tell me to put my gun down because you suspect. No, you don't have that right. You don't have a right. Listen to me. If an officer tells you to put the weapon away, you put it away or you risk dying. It is an exactly. imminent threat to his life. All right, how's the new job? How's the new job? The new the new job is great. I'm, I'm hauling pigs right. up and down. Uh, awesome. Up and down. I, I, I thank you. Taliban. We out here like the Taliban. They done got them. They done gases and everything. We out here like the Taliban. 
Would you arrest, Reverend, those who got so violent that they set fire to vehicles, they set fire to retail establishment, they broke in and looted those establishments? Would you say you are disgracing the message of Dr. King and I will not support that behavior? Well, you're disgracing the message of Dr. King when you don't do justice and love mercy. I mean, don't pull Dr. King, make him a cover of all the... That's not what I asked. Would you say that? No, you went one step too far there. Dr. King, looking at the riot in in L.A., said when he hits that point, it's extreme. He said the voices of the unheard, that's people lose it at some point in time. People can So you'd condone their losing and justify what they did. Can you imagine for a moment, if you had this many black police shooting white folk in the back, what would would your response be? No, 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 no. It would be the same. No, no, you're not telling the truth. No, no, no. This many black police shooting white folk in the back, you are an apostle of Martin Luther King. Jesus Christ, understand all of who advocated peaceful protests. We're watching uh, modern day lynching on social media, on television, and it is affecting the psyche of black people. That's what you saw last night. This is what, uh, when you don't get your uh, uh, justice, uh, we don't get a a redress for our our, uh, grief, and we don't get justice, this is what you see, and you're going to see more of that. Right. We're not telling our brothers and sisters to stop. We're not going to get out there and tell y'all, oh, brother, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. When we ain't getting no justice. Wow. More of the sounds of what's going on in Charlotte as we literally did two uninterrupted live hours last night. And, uh, of course, the governor even called in and called uh, in a state of emergency. We're not sure what's going to happen tonight. We'll be live again. I know that postpones our town hall with uh, Donald Trump that we wanted to be playing for you because it was a pretty phenomenal a day at Pastor Daryl Scott's church, uh, and uh, my good friend the pastor joins us right now. Uh, and Pastor Daryl Scott, by the way, his church is called the New Spirit Revival Center, and he's the CEO for the National Diversity Coalition for Donald Trump. And also with us is uh, another good friend of mine, Niger Innes, chairman of the Tea Party Forward Movement. Uh, welcome both of you. Thank you both for uh, coming to the town hall yesterday, and I wish we could just get it on the air fast enough, but Unfortunately, events have warranted that we can't do that. Uh, Pastor, uh, you heard what people are saying. What are your thoughts about all of this? I think it's very unfortunate that they're advocating anarchy and chaos in an American city that had become to be known as a mecca for uh, African Americans, that blacks could go to Charlotte and, you know, seek new opportunities and economic progress. The city is. But it has been on the upswing, but now you got those that are calling for anarchy. And, you know, you know what else is sad? There's a guy last night, I see one of the protesters was shot in the head last night. I believe he was killed by another protester. Now, this guy lost his life for what? He went out, and, you know, I had a nephew that got killed in a drive-by in uh, uh, East Cleveland, Ohio. And, you know, years later, you know, all his friends are still alive, and the gang that they were which doesn't exist anymore, and he got killed for nothing. This is the guy last night that got lost his life for nothing over violence that is um, reactionary without everyone getting, you know, uh, complete clarity on what actually happened. It's, it's you know, Pastor, I, I, I got to be honest, it's it's heartbreaking. And, and then you got to look yeah. at, you know, Baltimore, and then you got to look at Ferguson, and then you got to look at, 
you know, I did a special with store owners and shopkeepers and people that invested everything they had in life and their their entire businesses ruined in some of these cities. And, you know, we're paying attention to what I guess the media wants us to pay attention to or Obama wants us to pay attention to. Obama weighs in on Cambridge and he weighs in on Trayvon Martin and he weighs in on Ferguson and he weighs in on Freddie Gray. But since he's been president, 3,660 people have been murdered in his hometown of Chicago. And since the beginning of this year, 3,100 people have been shot. Now, I I mean, I, I know your answer to this. Do black lives matter or do all lives matter? Certainly all lives should matter to all of us, right? Right. And you know what else? It's as if unless it's white on black crime, it uh, it goes unnoticed. The night before you guys came to Cleveland, a young pregnant black girl got killed in East Cleveland. I think it was because they feared she was going to snitch on a gang. And so here she is pregnant and she gets killed. And it barely made it to the news feed. It didn't make national news, and the local news glossed over it. And then yesterday, they want to spend more time on what Donald King said and, you know, things like this. And it's, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible, and the media is fueling and driving this narrative, and, um, you know, people are buying into it, and the emotions of Americans, especially African Americans, are getting stoked, and cooler heads and calmer heads need to prevail. Uh, it's very sad. It's tragic. You know, I'm wondering, and, where, and where are... Listen, I know you, if this is happening in your community, you're going to be out there on the streets, and you're going to be telling people to go home. And I know that and a lot of your associate pastors will be out telling people to go home and telling people to get back, you know, stop with this nonsense because innocent people are going are, are gonna to die. As you pointed out, another guy shot in the head last night. You know, I just look at this, and it's very frustrating for me, and, and this was a big part of what our town hall was about, and I guess it'll probably have to air tomorrow night now, but what's so frustrating to me is, you know, if you look at the numbers and you look at the statistics— I mean, I know we have America's first black president, but African-Americans on food stamps have gone up 58 percent under Obama, a 20 percent jump in in black Americans who are no longer in the labor force. Uh, African-American home ownership rate is down. It's more than 20 percent lower than the national average. African-American unemployment is 8.1 percent. The national average is 4.9. The wage gap between African-American and white workers is the worst in nearly 40 years in this country. Median household income for African-Americans since Obama became president is $20,000 less than the average national average. The African-American poverty rate, 24.1%, over 10% higher than the national average. Uh, A surge in inner city crime. I just mentioned Chicago, 3,660 people. And, And not one person, not one single person in this audience can name probably one one individual that was killed there. But the president talks about Trayvon and Michael Brown and the Cambridge police and Freddie Gray. And because I guess there's a narrative there that, well, this is the police doing this. Right. And you know what I said? I had got into an argument with uh, Bakari Sellers on CNN before because, you know, I stated that we didn't have that single unifying black voice that can demand or command um, obedience and um, a following. And I said, Barack Obama needs to stand up and tell people to stop. And he said, what do you mean? If you can stand up and speak to black America and say it would be an insult to me if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, you mean to tell me if you're that, if you're that leader, that we, if you're our president, that we all admire and love and respect as black Americans, you mean to tell me you can't stand up and say, listen, if you're a, a, an African American and you're participating in this, please stop. Go home now. Do it for me. It would be an insult to me if you continue this rioting. 
I mean, I don't understand. You're more passionate for Hillary Clinton's campaign than you are for the African-American community. I, you know, but I, but there's got to be a correlation. I'll ask Niger Innes this, and Niger, it's good to see you yesterday, too. And, you know, I give out these statistics. You know, all Americans have fared very poorly economically under Barack Obama, and I give out those statistics every day. When you break it down demographically, in the black community in America, they have been disproportionately negatively impacted by, by Obama and Hillary supporting policies. And my question is, you know, I know that when you break down demographics after every election, you see the the black community tends to vote Democratic in the case of Obama, 93 percent. And they're not better off. They're far worse off than than their fellow American citizens as a group. And I just why why is there this rigid adherence to a party that only talks to them every four years? I I think that that is changing. And it was great seeing you. Great seeing Pastor Scott uh, and and, and everyone else in that church, uh, in his church uh, yesterday. And I think what we saw in that church, what you saw from grassroots black Americans out of Cleveland is going to be reflected all across this country. You know, Sean, for the longest time, I've been saying that Donald Trump has the potential to get 15 to 20 percent of the black vote. And I think he's on target to doing that. He gets anywhere, quite frankly, above 10 percent. The electoral map is shattered. It is a landslide uh, victory. And I think it is exactly because, you know, after seven and a half years of, of, of us being collectively high on Barack Obama, we're, we're coming down from that high. And now comes the hangover. And the hangover are the very statistics that you talk about in terms of lack of economic development in the inner city, the high crime rate, the fact that you can walk certain streets of Afghanistan and be safer than downtown Chicago. These are the realities and the coming down off the Obama high that black America is going to face. uh, Why would this president ignore 3,660 deaths, over 75 percent of which are African-American in his home city? But yet he weighs in on very select cases. Cambridge police, Trayvon Martin, Ferguson, uh, Freddie Gray, Baltimore. Why does he weigh in on those cases? And he ignores his own home city. And the numbers are far, far greater. And the problem is far deeper. Why does he do that? Why would you make? Why is there that selective moral outrage by this president? Pastor, can you answer that? Well, it's political expediency. I mean, to um, condemn uh, white America for the deaths of uh, certain black individuals is more politically expedient than to address black-on-black crime in your uh, adopted hometown. And so, uh, and you know, you have a friend that's uh, in an office there, and it would make him look bad. So for the sake of political expediency, you see quiet, you see silent. Uh, you see them ignoring it and acting as if it's not happening when it is. And then when you have someone call it out, like uh, yourself or someone like Donald Trump that talks about the violence in the inner cities, we become outraged because black Americans feel like a white person shouldn't speak to the violence in their community. But if he was black saying the same things, they would embrace him. So, you know, it's... it's, it's yeah, well, well it's and then we, then we have the, the issue of, you know, why, why does he embrace a group like Black Lives Matter? Now, here, Pastor, you've mm-hmm. got a church and you're doing community outreach and Niger's been doing community outreach and uh, his father started the group CORE. I don't 
even remember what year. It was what, in the 1960s or 70s? It was so far back. I remember seeing a documentary. It included your dad in it, uh, Niger. And, and there is all this outreach. I don't know that you guys got invited to the Obama White House, but Black Lives Matter sure did. And, you know, what do we want dead cops? And when do we want them now? And pigs in a blanket and fry them like bacon. Why, why did they get access to Obama in the Oval Office? Why did they get access and invitations from Hillary Clinton? Uh to consult with her on criminal justice matters. They keep consistent with the victimology narrative. And you know, Sean, I've been saying for, for many years that there is a mindset that I akin to a neo-slavery. And that's when you force the black community, you tell young black, young black girls, young black boys, you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you don't see a, a, an American that can control their own fate and destiny, but you see a victim. You see a victim of racism around every corner, under every carpet. And that type of victimization cripples you. It actually shackles you to not be the best that you can be within the country. And that is the biggest tragedy of this failed presidency. Well, I, I, all we want is we want a ladder. Sean Hannity, who started as a dishwasher, only needed a ladder and, and a little bit of elbow grease and some hard work and decent values. Pastor, I uh, I had a great time in your church. I loved your community. I loved the people I got to meet in your church. Um, yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe my 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 two-minute preaching moment went over that well. I was blown away. I was blown away. I was you shocked. You were filled with the spirit, Sean. <laughs> I, started to, I started to have my organist come in real quick. With, and, 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 you know, in the black community, we know and give you a chase. I got a standing ovation when I said that you invited me to preach from the pulpit. And I'm going to take you up on it because I really, I, I felt the love in the room. I really did. And that's not a cliche. I felt something. And I'm like, wow, I really did. What a great church. What a great community. Uh, I enjoyed the time. I'm not sure if this airs tonight or tomorrow yet, guys. Well, as soon as I know, I will let you know. And uh, thank you both for your participation and your friendship. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you. It was a pleasure. There are people sitting in jury rooms right now all across this country because they received a summons. Even though they're not going to be called for jury service, they may be excused. They may, frankly, be disqualified. But you still have to come. There are subpoenas being issued all across this country to firefighters and EMS and police officers and doctors and everyone else who may have witnessed anything from a crime to a traffic accident. They may not get called as a witness, but they have to come. So issue number one is whether or not you have to come when you are issued legal process. And the answer is yes. The witness himself or herself does not get to pick and choose which legal process you're going to follow and which one you're not, or nobody would go to jury service. So issue number one is, do you have to come? Issue number two is whether or not you have to talk. And unless your name is Jack Bauer, you cannot force anyone to talk. Now, we can have a robust debate about whether or not this witness has been immunized. I read the immunity agreement. And what I find interesting is, is the doublespeak that I hear from some of my colleagues you cannot, in one sentence, say DOJ has refused to prosecute, that this is a nothing case, and then the next sentence say you're worried that DOJ is going to prosecute. Congress cannot prosecute anyone for anything. Nothing. The only entity in this country that can level criminal charges is the executive branch. And they have already said they're not going to do so. So, so where is his criminal exposure? Where, where is it? Unless they're going to say, Mr. Chairman, that we are worried that he is going to make a false statement before Congress. Now, ha, 
That would be interesting if that's the argument. We are worried that this witness who cooperated with the FBI may tell Congress something different. Well, guess what? The agreement he has with the Department of Justice requires him to be truthful. So you would want people to say the same thing to Congress that you say to the FBI. All right, that was Trey Gowdy laying out the case, contempt to court, as uh, Brian Pagliano. Remember I told you? Remember that name, that he didn't show up. And then you have two other people showing up, but pleading the fifth. Pagliano didn't even bother to show up, even though he'd been granted immunity in the case. He still has to show up, just like all of you have to show up for jury duty. You know, I've been very lucky. I don't know why I never got a jury duty notice yet in my life. They must say, oh, Hannity, forget it. Take him off the list. I've not gotten it. Have you ever got one? I've never gotten one. I've never got. Well, I don't open the mail either. So, I mean, that's probably part of the reason uh, that I never saw one. No, I don't open the mail. Well, you know why I don't open the mail. And there are security reasons I don't open the mail. I have never, ever gotten a jury notice in my entire life. But I don't open the mail. I don't know if it comes or it didn't come. I have the bills sent to another location for security purposes. Anyway, uh, joining us now, somebody who's been all over this case, but more importantly, has a brand new book out today. The chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, a friend of this program, our buddy Jay Seculo. Um, this is a very important book that he has written about whether or not we as a country are going to get our act together and whether or not we're going to understand the absolute nature and danger that we are facing as not only a country but a world in terms of what we need to do, what we need to be aware of, and this this nexus, this alliance that has emerged between Iran and Russia and jihadists and an agenda that they share for conquering the world. The book is called An Unholy Alliance. He's a number one New York Times bestselling author. Um, this book is a wake-up call. You saw what had happened earlier as we followed the New York and New Jersey attacks over the weekend last weekend. Jay, welcome back. Uh, very timely Thanks, as Sean. usual. You wrote a great book about ISIS really before anybody else knew a lot about this group. This really takes it to the next level. What we try to do is it's, it's kind of the companion piece, the follow-up to the rise of ISIS. And the idea here is you look at what's happened in the past and where we are right now. So it looks at both. And there's something as we are entering this you know, countdown to the next election, to the presidency of the United States. You look at how the world has changed, not only in the Middle East, but for us in the United States as well. With the, I was in New York during these recent attacks. And you look at the way the world has changed in eight years with the failed policies of President Barack Obama, where he, he was going to remake the Middle East, I guess, in his image, which if that's his image, his image is a disaster. We project no strength. We project weakness. And the Russians waltz in. They waltz in. The Iranians flexing their muscles. They're picking up our Navy. They're harassing our, our battleships. And we're doing nothing. Now the report today is ISIS may well have used chemical weapons against U.S. troops. What's the reaction from the president of the United States? Nothing. Nothing. So what we've done in Unholy Alliance is lay out the agenda and how to combat it. And here's the thing with Russia, which is so fascinating. And Donald Trump you know, got a lot of flack for two things. And I think this was both of these. The flack was absolutely incorrect. Remember when he said cut off the oil supply? Well, that 
is a big deal for ISIS because that's how they generate so much cash. Different than Al-Qaeda. Their cash flow, because of the oil, has been incredible. You cut that oil off and then destroy the caliphate. And it's going to take whatever it takes militarily, which will not be, look, we, we can knock this caliphate out in 30 days if we put our mind to it. But we're going to have to do it because, Sean, the, the eight more years of this, and I shudder to think, I've got grandkids now, I shudder to think what it will be like for my grandkids going up. It would be, I mean, it will not be the America we knew in our recent pit past. It will be so different. But this projection of weakness, and so we've laid out what the agenda is, we've laid out what the jihadis want, we've laid out what the Russians are trying to do, and we put it together in an readable format so people can be educated with a call to action at the end to take actual steps. Well, you know, oil also and energy also has a big impact on on Putin and Crimea and its connection to Western Europe. I mean... All he has to do, Vladimir Putin, is shut off those spigots, and Western Europe is dead. He literally controls the lifeblood of their energy supply, the lifeblood of any economy, which really, uh, you know, I've always said one of the biggest, biggest issues we never talk about is becoming energy independent. It's good for national security purposes. Number one, we don't need to count on countries that hate our guts for the lifeblood of our economy, especially when we have more natural gas, we have more oil resources than we ever imagined, and we have... We certainly have more coal than we we even knew of years ago. We have the ability to be energy independent for a hundred plus years, and yet, and we yes. could also and help supply Western Europe and make money and create millions of high paying jobs. And we don't do it. No, we don't do it. And as I said, we project this incredible weakness. So, with dealing with Vladimir Putin, how do you deal with a strongman? He's a strongman. I mean, look, I mean, we we may not like it, but he, he's a strongman, and he's a strongman in Russia, which is not insignificant. Benjamin Disraeli, the famed Prime Minister of Great Britain in the eighteen seventies was dealing with the same thing. He was dealing with Russia. And he said questions between Russia and England, and you could just substitute the United States, are not questions that can be settled by arbitration. They are questions in which power is involved, and power can only be met by power. Questions of this kind can only be settled by force. And then he said, I don't mean necessarily by war, because diplomacy backed with power can effectively be basically a war without violence. And what we need to be projecting and showing that we have behind it is real power here. But you're absolutely correct. Our lack of energy independence, the, the unwillingness of the democratic elite to let go of our resources so we can actually take the coal out of the ground. But instead, you got Hillary Clinton saying she wants to basically, without question, you know, she's going to put these coal miners out of work. You know, let's not, I'm hopeful that people don't forget that in 48 days. That we This energy issue, you're right, is a big issue. Oh, it's huge. And, and, and look, it's great for national security and it's good for creating high paying yep. jobs and careers for all the millions of Americans out of work. Yeah. You, you describe it as strange bedfellows, the, this Russia, Syria, yeah. Iranian alliance and, and thus the title of the book. Yeah. I, on the surface, it's strange and jihadist, but yeah. not really in another sense. Explain what you mean here. So they don't share, you know, Iran and Russia don't share a common theology. I mean, you got the, the Shia fundamentalist jihadist of Iran the revolutionary guard it is a it's a terrorist regime and and russia as you know is is primarily christian or uh, mostly russian orthodox and the reality is they don't share a common theology but they do share at least temporarily a desire and that is more of a conquest what i call a global conquest desire now i think ultimately they would put themselves against each other but they want to why do they want to prop up syria well russia wants a warm water port why did the iranians allow the russians to do sorties aircraft sorties out of iran where their constitution of iran by the way prohibits foreign forces 
forces from being on the ground to fly into Syria. Well, again, commonality. They want to prop up the Assad regime because they want to eliminate ISIS. Not because they, they, they think ISIS is that bad, although they do think they're bad, only bad because Iran wants to be the caliphate and Russia wants the military power in the region and ultimately the world so they get warm water ports. So you have this unholy alliance and I have on the picture of the book on the cover is Rouhani with uh, with Putin whispering in each other's ears. And I think that picture is, a, you know, picture's worth a thousand words. Maybe it's worth 10,000 words here. I mean, it, it, it shows this imagery. I don't think they share the same ultimate end. They both want conquest, but for different reasons. But they will work together with a common enemy. We get a strong leader in the White House. It's going to back both the Iranians and the Russians down. We don't. Well, everybody we, forgets. We with our future. There's yeah. a, the big part of the this horrible Iranian deal, not only did they get $150 billion from the United least, States, yeah. I mean, it, I cringe that America is so stupid under Hillary and Obama that they gave the number one state sponsor of terror $150 billion. You don't have any place, any time inspections, as we were originally told right. that we would have. They get 25 days notice, and there are certain areas that we will never get able be able to inspect, nor do we have American inspectors going into these places. So it's beyond frustrating, but beyond that part of the deal, as bad as it is, we also allow as part of this deal, and this goes to the nexus you're talking about here, is Vladimir Putin can partner with the Iranians and help them right. create a, a missile defense system, which means that as they become the nuclear power that they will become because they're going to continue to spin Absolutely. their centrifuges and not get caught, just like North Korea did with our money this time, um, they're going to want to protect themselves from either an Israeli or a coalition attack, which, by the way, probably should have happened already. And maybe it we had a better relationship with Israel, it might have happened. But the relationship with Israel is as strained as it can be, not with the American people and the Israelis, but between the president and the prime minister of Israel. Horrible. But you raised, the, the, the Sean, the critical, critical point, and that is we, and, and President Obama did this. He did it in Syria, too. He let the Russians come in to solve the Syria conflict. Remember, that was his idea. He had the red line, then the red line came in, it didn't matter, and they crossed and he lets the Russians in. Now the Iranians are allowed under this deal, whatever it is, nothing really in writing, but allows the Iranians to get Russian military capabilities for defensive shields, which will, uh, is you're absolutely correct, ultimately means Israel or who, whatever regional power or international coalition has to go in to take out their soon-to-be-developed nuclear weapon. Uh, it, it puts us, our men and women, in harm's way. But, you know, doesn't this make sense for this administration? This is the same administration when they write up the, the, the criminal charges against the New York terrorist. Rahami, what do they do? Leave out the coalition, the fact that he pledged his allegiance to ISIS, but had all the ISIS language in his blood-laden journal. And the Department of Justice will not put in the word ISIS in the complaint. This is this is this political correctness and politically calculated mistakes that have really harmed this country. And I think we've got now, a short window, Sean, to get it back. I listen. I, I I'm saying this election's live or die. America lives or dies. Yeah. I mean, I think I do. Remember, think, we used to say it's the Supreme Court's at stake. That was the big oh, thing. That is huge, an issue. But huge. it's like the third one now. But it's like it's like number three of the others because yeah. survival becomes first. Well, yeah. you saw what happened in Berlin with Angela Merkel and her party had a historic yep. loss in, in Berlin. I think it's an indicator. It's all part of a, a follow-up, I guess, to Brexit. It's all related to Absolutely. taking in refugees. This president now committing to taking in hundreds of thousands more. If Hillary wants a 550% increase. There's a story out day. Remember when the Sweden once considered a socialist paradise? Remember those days? Yep. Well, yep. 
Well, Sweden and now also like Germany and France and Great Britain and and Belgium and the rest of Europe. Well, they've had open borders and that paradise now is becoming a distant memory. There was a UK Express article that Sweden has now seen a massive surge in crime, all starting because of right. the migrant crisis. And that means a massive rise in sex assaults and drug dealing and uh, uh, children even carrying weapons. And a new report by Sweden's National Criminal Investigation Services details the attacks now on police officers police cars right. are being stoned by mass groups you have 50 areas now that have been put on a blacklist and are divided into three categories uh from risk areas to seriously vulnerable and 80 percent of police officers now are considering changing professions due to the lack of funding and support to tackle this increase in crime right i mean it, and so france, what, what, what are we not learning about this well here's what we're doing first of all france may end up electing a government that pulls them out of the european union so that could happen but then Take a look at some place you and I remember, Sean, because we both lived in Atlanta for a time. Stone Mountain, Georgia. Yeah. Do you know Stone Mountain has received more of the quote, and I use the quotes, refugees than Los Angeles and New York City combined? Stone Mountain, Georgia. Now, what is that going to tell you? Because let's say it's, you know, 150 refugees and only five of them are really bad guys yeah, in I'm, Stone I, Mountain, Georgia. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, yeah, I yeah. really can. So this is this whole this whole approach is when you've got the director of your national intelligence, when you got the head of the FBI, who my respect for him is dropped to zero but when he says we can't tell you who they are or necessarily uh guarantee their vetting well then give in we should be giving as well, much it's in clapper Comey, steinbeck it's but, mccall yeah. it's brennan it's it's general yeah. but look oh. i gotta run but we're gonna put the book on my yep. website it's called unholy alliance the agenda iran russia jihadists share for conquering the world um and this is not hyperbole this is the real deal and it's a preview of coming attractions if we don't get our act together all right jay seculo thank you Thanks, Sean. And I will fight back against so-called right to work. Right to work is wrong for workers and wrong for America. Now, having said all this, why aren't I 50 points ahead, you might ask? Well, the choice for working families has never been clearer. I need your help to get Donald Trump's record out to everybody. Nobody should be fooled. He proudly declared himself 100% right to work. He even hired a union-busting firm to break up an organizing campaign at his hotel in Las Vegas, where you are right now. And he built up his wealth by stiffing small businesses and contractors. That goes against everything we stand for as a country. My dad was a small business. I'm just businessman. I'm just happy he never did business with Trump. Last week, you were remembering 9-11. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about your health for a moment. Mm -hmm. It was startling to many Americans to see you get into, the, into that van. I certainly hope you're feeling oh, much absolutely. better. absolutely. I wanted to ask you that I know that you provided documents from mm -hmm. your doctor saying mm -hmm. that you are fit to be the President of right. the United States. Right. Some doctors have said, because of your age, as well as your opponent's age, that you could be at higher risk for dementia or even Alzheimer's and have suggested that you take some neurocognitive <laughs> tests. Would you be willing to I, do that? You know, I, I am very sorry I got pneumonia. I'm very <laughs> glad that antibiotics took care of it and uh, that's behind us now. I've met the standard that everybody running for president has met in terms of releasing information about my health. Um, I have to say my opponent has not met that standard. 
Uh, so I am very happy that we have put out all the information that there is uh, that reflects on my health. And I am physically, mentally healthy and fit to be President of the United States. Would you be willing to take those tests, though? I, we, there's no need for that. I mean, my, the information is very clear, and the information, as I said, meets the standards that every other person running for president has ever had to meet. And I'm happy that we've met and even exceeded them in, in certain ways. All right, that was Hillary Clinton as she was in Tampa laughing at a reporter asking if she'd take a neurocognitive test. And then you hear her just angry unleashing on Donald Trump. Clearly, these polls have now gotten to her. Latest Rasmussen now has Trump up by five. L.A. Times has him up by four. And if you look at state by state, not only is he winning Louisiana, but you got him also up by five, according to the Fox poll in Ohio, up by three in Nevada, only down by three in Wisconsin and Michigan. And he's up by five in North Carolina. So things clearly continue to move in Trump's direction. And and that is a very different Hillary Clinton that. We'll be heading into a debate on Monday night, obviously. Uh, joining us now is Jessica Tarlov, senior strategist at Schoen Consulting. Ron Christie, former special assistant to President Bush, contributing columnist to the Daily Beast. Uh, Ron, I hear a very angry, defensive, ill-prepared candidate for a debate. You do, Sean. And it's interesting to me that the more that the American people see and hear from Hillary Clinton, the less they like of her. It brings up the untrustworthiness issue with her emails, the untrustworthy issues dealing with her pneumonia. I almost died of pneumonia, and I can tell you, I find it miraculous that she had pneumonia diagnosed, and yet she's running around two days later. I think there's some serious health complications uh, with the former Secretary of State that she's not leveling with the American people. And she thought this was going to be a coronation, and it's not. And I think she's angry that she's actually going to have to fight to win this. Yeah, but I mean, just listening to listening to her, now she's like throwing everything she's got, hoping it's going to stick against Donald Trump. You know, Jessica, just compare the two candidates. I mean, Donald Trump is high energy. He's all over the place. He's having fun. He's giving policy speeches. He's staying on substance. He is he's now as on message as he's ever been. Hillary Clinton seems to be flailing. She's not on the campaign trail. She looks tired. She's lashing out at reporters. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like Donald Trump's energy, and it's now reflecting in polls as I don't see anybody breaking towards Hillary. Nobody. I mean, well, she is maintaining, obviously, strong Democratic support. You're totally right insofar as the momentum going in Donald Trump's directions. I'm particularly concerned about independence and the enthusiasm gap. That's what's really been sticking out in these uh, polls lately. We have seen a few polls in her favor. You know, you listed a few in his favor. And, of course, there are those for her, the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. We had polls out earlier this week that she's back up five in Florida. She's still maintaining her lead in Virginia. But there's no doubt it's going to be close. And Donald Trump has always been higher energy than Hillary Clinton. And that's not because she's sleepy or because she's sick. They're two very different kinds of candidates. Um, he has largely stayed on message. There have been a few flubs here and there. I think the whole birther thing was not a particularly fantastic moment. Um, Actually, I thought, that, I I thought that, that was a stroke of genius because he tells the media. We're that gonna, doesn't it, surprise me that you thought it was a stroke a, of genius. It, it was a stroke of genius. And, mm. and, and well, what I'm saying is it's kind of very simple. I mean, Trump said, oh, we're going to talk about the birther thing. He is. Yeah, I believe Obama was born in America. Hillary started it. Goodbye. It was great. And by the yeah, way, I mean, now, and now that we've been able to go over the record, Hillary, Hillary's yeah. uh, top henchman did start it. 
Oh, okay. Well, I mean, obviously that's a whole show unto itself, whether this Not really. I mean, it's... Dollar Mark Penn. It's, yes, it, it is, absolutely. The Mark Penn ma- memo. The Mark Penn memo. Sydney Vicious Blumenthal. Blumenthal. And then you yeah. got this lady down, Linda Starr, down in Texas, a Clinton supporter. Uh, it's obvious who's... It, wait, fired? Mark Penn... fired for Mark, even raising the issue? Listen, the Clinton campaign... Well, why didn't they fire Mark engaged. Penn to say, we're going to be the American candidate and we're going to portray him as whatever? Just like no, the, it was about exactly as, as being un-American. Should have never played in that paddling pool. Now there's an Hillary Clinton has never been out there, obviously questioning whether Barack Obama is American. I mean, Donald Trump he stands up there, he says, you know, I ended the birtherism thing. That he stopped in 2011. The guy, what is it, 84 mentions of where Obama was born in his Twitter account alone. I mean, this is not someone who I'm not even sure he believes it now, but he knows that it was politically expedient that he had to come Listen, out. Listen, I know him. you want to talk about this, but you know what? You're not going to be able to talk over is the narrative in this campaign is what I have been saying. We're now what 43, uh, 47 days now till election day, and uh-huh. this is it. We have a choice on the economy. She'll raise taxes, raise spending, and continue the Obama bad economy. We know that on Supreme Court justices, she'll point liberal activist justices. We know that she wants coal miners out of work, coal companies out of business. She's That's against fracking true. and drilling. Uh, would you like me to play it for you? Because I you have the audio. Okay, but then you have to play the whole audio where she says we're going to make well, sure I, that we get people good jobs. Okay, but, that, but, but let's play what she did say about coal miners. I'm the only candidate which has a policy about how to bring economic opportunity using clean renewable energy as the key into coal country because we're going to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business right tim and we're going to make it clear that we don't want to forget those people those people labored in those mines for generations oh we're going to put them all out of work they, right, well, excuse me, excuse, excuse, and really, are they going to be the shovel-ready jobs that ended up not being shovel-ready? Oh, is, is it going to be Obamacare, you keep your doctor, benefit. keep your pa- plan, and save $2,500 a year? Really? Oh. Who talks Wrong, about putting businesses? You know, I, I mean, it's insanity for you. So on all these big issues, education, immigration, betting refugees, even saying radical Islam, she's on the wrong side of where the she American people now. are. What's that? She says it now. She says radical Islam. I haven't heard it. You you won the semantics war. I haven't heard it of you. It's, it's, it's not semantics. I mean, I think that she will be the Obama administration on steroids, Jesse. I mean, for goodness sakes, she wants to go even further than the president's executive uh, actions on illegal immigration. She's going to raise taxes. She's going to impose more regulations. She doesn't know how to deal with foreign affairs based on her failed record as secretary of state. And she's not going to be able to fight and wage a war on terrorism that we so desperately need our people in Washington, D.C. to get their arms around. The American people have seen her for the last 25 years. They don't like her, and they don't want a third term of the Obama administration. We've had enough. Okay, I take your point. She said radical Islamism, by the way, after the Orlando shooting. Oh, my God. So that's uh, on the hang on. Let me, let, me, let me take this in. She was pressured, embarrassed into finally acknowledging a simple happened. truth. Well, he was, he was pressured into saying Obama is American, which is also a simple truth. But anyway, Ron, that was a very well-articulated defense of why we should not have Hillary Clinton. I'd like to point out that Donald Trump is going to do double the amount of infrastructure spending, that what he's adding $10 trillion to the debt with his tax plan, which is going to cut taxes. For everybody, but he's well, not with all due respect, Hillary has said she's going to Hillary's plan. 
for the economy is to raise taxes mm-hmm. 1.2 trillion, spending 1.4 trillion. Uh, we know she's praising the Obama economy. We know that on health care she'll keep Obamacare. We know where she stands on coal, fracking, and drilling. We know that Donald Trump's for energy independence. We know where she stands on Supreme Court justices. Okay, I'll concede. She said radical Islam once, but she'll stop if she's elected. Uh, we know that she screwed up Egypt, Libya, Afghanistan, Iraq, and of course praises this Iranian deal. The Russian reset failed. China and North Korea are uninhibited in doing anything that they want. She won't build the wall, and she's beholden to the NEA and Common Core. So if America wants her as president, there is no clearer choice. You continue Obama's failure, or we shift directions and try and save the country. It's a, it's basically a live-or-die moment for America. Not that I'm being overly dramatic. <laughs> well, Jeff, um, you have to admit, yeah. I mean, the, the choices could not be any more stark or any more Well, cleaner. that is true, of course. Okay. Yeah, and I feel that way. And, you know, we haven't talked about, which I mean, I, I totally understand, and I take all of your points as usual because I'm a liberal who likes to get along. But I would also like to raise, you know, issues. I'm a liberal who likes to get along. Well, maybe then you could talk to Hillary, and maybe she shouldn't call all of us uh, in a well, basket of deplorables. Of you. Wait a minute. Have just you? Fifty percent. Do you think I'm deplorable? No, I quite like you, Sean. Oh, okay. So I'm not deplorable. Do you think? Are... Do you think I'm? Do you think I'm racist or sexist or misogynist? Do you think I'm Islamophobic or xenophobic or whatever phobic uh, other ones I might have forgotten? No, and I don't. Uh, no, you, if you got homophobic, I think we covered at all um so i'm not well so i'm I'm not any i'm not any of those things right no no i don't think that you are but i think that Mm -hmm. a number of the policies that donald trump has espoused have riled up elements in society people and you know feeling sentiments etc that are not healthy for unity so do you think it's healthy for hillary to say that half of donald trump supporters are deplorable from the start i think it was a mistake i think that you can talk about the alt-right and what people what is the alt-right nobody knows what the hell that means all right let me go to ron christie hey ron it is ironic that she talks about uh sexism and misogyny and homophobia and islamophobia And meanwhile, she takes money from countries like Saudi Arabia that treat women like crap and kill gays and lesbians and persecute Christians and Jews and never criticizes them. Well, and to say nothing of the fact that she says that all those who come forth with rape allegations are to be believed. And yet Hillary Clinton was the biggest enabler of her husband's, I don't even want to say misdiscretions. Well, this is, I think, is a fair question. Do you believe Juanita Broderick, Jessica? We, Sean, we've talked about this, and this was the incident. I didn't ask him. Did I ask if we talked about it? I'm asking, do you believe believe Juanita Broderick? That Bill Clinton raped her based on the fact that there were investigations and Ken Starr didn't use her as a witness, and there seemed Uh, to be holes in her With all due respect, I I don't know of a single investigation. Really, you don't think that when Ken Starr looked into this to see if he was going to use her, there wasn't an investigation? I don't remember Ken Ken Starr looking into it. No, it wasn't the scope of the Whitewater investigation. But the fact of the matter is that we all know that Bill Clinton has been a serial womanizer. We certainly don't want him back in the White House roaming around, probably hanging out with the interns. But I think it says more than anything else, it's a, it's a testament to Hillary Clinton's character that she's more addicted to power and, and being in positions of power. And she she can't manage her own house. She sure as heck shouldn't be put in a position to be in the White House. Okay, can I just also say that we know that Donald Trump cheated on his first wife, and I think also his second wife, and we also know that he was accused of rape by Ivana at some point, and then she backtracked off of that when apparently it seems like she 
she was pressured. Neither of these men are. Well, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't think she's pressured when she said she supports Donald Trump for president and that he'd make a great president. Yeah, and, and that, and that, and that, what she said, what she said during divorce pr- proceedings was over the top. She said her okay. own words. So oh. if she really, all right. Well, I'm just giving you facts Listen, here. I mean, Donald Trump is not winning any awards. All right, let me ask you another question. Do you believe? Treatment. Do you believe Kathleen Willie? You said that Clinton groped, grabbed, fondled, touched, and kissed her against her will. I, I'm really not. I'm really not sure. I've never thought of him as a rapist. I know that these stories circulate. He obviously was a womanizer. He obviously should not have done I'm all. I'm asking. This. Do you believe like, Kathleen Willie? You haven't answered my question. Do you believe her? No, I haven't. I I have a really tough time with this because I feel like obviously everyone. Do you believe has Paula right Jones, who says that he exposed herself to her? I don't really see him as a slasher. You think she lied? Yeah, that's true. I, she did. He, he did pay her two eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I know it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Listen, there's no question that this apparently is she was able. Apparently, she was able to describe distinguishing characteristics of his private part. I've I've heard that. Yes, I've I've heard it many times, and I think from you before. In fact, no, I don't think I've talked about his private parts in a while. Maybe maybe back in 1998, but I don't remember recently. As a matter of fact, I'm grossed out even mentioning it. It's sort of like Anthony Weiner talk at this point. I can't take it. Oh God. Well, then let's talk about Saudi Arabia. Oh, shall yeah. we? Oh, Donald the- Trump has done business with them. That Hillary okay. Clinton has come out against Saudi Arabia. Thirty-five million dollars that-, that Clintons took. I'm sure they're really against the Saudis. But I got to yeah. run. Uh, oh, love okay. you both. When we come back, wide open telephones. We'll get to your calls here. Give Donald Trump, at least he says, uh, sorry, protesters have no right to commit acts of violence. You think? How many more small business owners are going to see their lives go up in ruins because of people that want to use any excuse they can to rob, loot, steal, take advantage of a situation without any facts? It's not just violence, by the way. That's called crime. It's a crime problem. That we have. And nobody willing to stand up and say, okay, that's enough. Rudy Giuliani, I kept saying to him last night, I said, well, what would you be doing differently? He said, well, this wouldn't happen in my city. What do you mean? It wouldn't happen. You have a right to protest. You don't have a right to throw one rock, one bottle, loot one store, and my police force goes in with a heavy, heavy hand and presence and would stop it. That's what you're supposed to do. Why isn't it happening? Mike in Palm Springs, California, on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you doing? I'm good. What's going on? Glad you called. Where's the president? Where's Obama? Huh. He wasn't on last night. He wasn't on, on today. You know, I don't know. Maybe he's still doing his fantasy football. Maybe he's doing his brackets <laughs> early in the season. I don't know. I, I haven't seen him. Sometimes I think he enjoys this. I look. All I know is this: is that race relations have deteriorated more under this president than any in recent memory. All I know is Black America has suffered disproportionately more than every other America and uh, American uh, or any other demographic group. And I am saying this is needless suffering for for innocent fellow Americans. It's needless. It doesn't have to be that way. It could be different. And, you know, Hillary wants to continue. All right, so if you want to suffer, elect Hillary. If you want to continue the same stupidity, elect her. And you will, look, I'm sitting here and I want to bang my head against the wall because I can't make people do what I want them to do. 
Oh, Hannity, you sound like a dictator. Well, no, I'm not a dictator. All I can do is lay out the facts, give you information, and then you get to make the decision yourself. I only get to pull the lever once when I vote. And if I ever pulled it twice, I'd be in jail, unlike other people, dead people voting in Chicago and elsewhere. So, look, I tried to warn the country about Obama. I was more right than I knew. I'm now warning everybody about Hillary. And again, I know that I'm right. Hannity, that's arrogant. You're so arrogant. You think you're right all the time. No, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. My my study of politics and history has proven one thing. Socialism, statism, redistribution, spreading the wealth, capitulating and licking the boots of dictators and not being able to say radical Islam shows weakness. And I am saying it has always historically failed and it will fail again. And if if you have been suckered into the Obama agenda and hope and change and change and hope and yes, we can, Obama. If you've been sucked into it, now look at facts. Now look at the eight years of damage and destruction of the country and our position in the world. And if you want more of that, go vote for her. I can't stop you. And I would not try. But you're going to get the government you deserve. And I hate to say this. This sounds so, so darn arrogant. But it's not meant to be. Because I was where so many of you are today in my life. Broke. Dead broke. And I, I was able to climb. There was, there was at least enough rungs on the ladder that I can climb up. I mean, unless she comes and confiscates the money that I've saved, this is not going to hurt me. But it's going to hurt my country. And it's going to hurt people in this country. And when you have 95 million Americans out of work, that is unconscionable to me. When you have 12 million more on food stamps, we're capable of so much more. And the people that have so much to offer are sitting on the sidelines. Wanting to play, wanting to participate, wanting to contribute. And 8 million more in poverty and kids growing up in poverty. We can do so much better. I remember my first home and the experience of buying a $113,000 home. I was the happiest guy on the face of this earth. I want every American to have that happen to them. Every single one. Every, and, and you will love your home. And you'll take pride in your home. And you'll know you you earned that. You didn't build that. No, you didn't build it, but you worked hard to buy it. And when you have a 51-year low in home ownership and the worst recovery since the 40s, it's just unnecessary suffering. Needless. No, okay, it's, it's, it's not. I, I hate to see my country decline. That's, it hurts it's painful. It's unnecessary. Linda, who do I care about more when I talk about the future of this radio show, my TV show? Who do I always talk about first? When, I, when you and I talk about it. Everybody else. I care about my team here. You know what? This is going to affect our country, and I don't know if we recover. I don't know if we're ever going to recover. And I guess I could take my money and my pick up my toys and go and play golf. I don't want to play golf. 
for the rest of my life. What am I going to get up every day? Okay, let's go hit the stupid ball and chase it. Let's hit it again and chase it again. Let's see if I can put it in a stupid hole. That how I want to spend my life? Maybe a couple hours here and there, but you know, beyond that, could you imagine that's your life every day? I couldn't take it. I'd go insane. I'd be, sit, I'd be walking along the golf course doing monologues to myself about the bad state of Hillary's economy. I'd be talking about Hillary sucking up to dictators and kissing, you know, sucking up to radical jihadists, not being able to say radical Islam. I'm just, I'll be like screaming on the golf course. I'll be like Bill Murray instead of saying, there goes the kid, the kid. Oh, the crowd goes wild. He hits the ball. Oh, look at that. Right onto the green. It's the two-footer, a two-foot putt. I'll be walking along the thing saying, well, there, Hillary did it again. Ready to pop. I'll sound like Al Gore. Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans. They don't even want to count you in the census. I know some of you thinking I'm losing my mind today. I'm not. Do you want that? What do you want our country to be? I want our, You know what I want for our country? I want every American that wants a job to be able to find one. A good job. A good paying job. A job that enables them to save money. A job that provides them opportunity in a career where they can have some advancement. A job where they can put away enough money for a down payment for the first house that they get in their life. I've had that experience. It's such... It is one of the greatest experiences between having kids and buying your first home. There's nothing cooler. Maybe getting rid of that old jalopy. I used to buy $200 cars. I bought a car for 350 bucks. I drove around. I used to paint my own cars. I used to repair my own cars. Now I buy new cars. It's such a good feeling compared to what I used to do. You know, if you get sick and you have a decent health care plan, you don't have to wait 22 hours in an emergency room. That'd be nice. You know, that we don't have to suck and, and bow and, and beg the Saudis and Middle Eastern countries for our oil. That you can have an opportunity maybe to work and go to school and pursue your dream. I was able to pursue my radio dream by doing this for free. For years. And working for no money. For years, because I had saved a little bit of money. Not a lot, a little. And I was able to skimp and save and, and put it away, and, and my dreams come true. Well, I want that for everybody. What, I just, I'm supposed to say, oh, I'm okay. The hell with the rest of you? No. I want a country that recognizes that we have enemies that want to kill you. Well, I, I mean, maybe I sound like a bloodthirsty killer, but I'd rather kill them first. I'd like a country that can recognize that they're at war with us. I want a country that secures its borders. I want a country that understands the cultural divide between Sharia and radical Islam and, and our constitutional values. Well, you know Hillary's in trouble when poor Phil Donahue's been brought out of mothballs to go on CNN. I saw him today. Did you see that earlier, Linda? They brought Phil Donahue out of mothballs. That means they're desperate in the Hillary campaign. Let's bring out our. Yeah, he does. And, you know, I love the guy, but he's nuts. I mean, that means they're desperate. That means he's watching and saying, oh, no, Donald Trump can win. Another sign. All right. Back to our phones. Um, Ashley's in Washington. How are you, Ashley? What's going on? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm good. So, Sean, I have a question for you. Um, 
just in light of everything that's going on right now with the riots in Charlotte, everything's getting so bad with, I mean, from Kaepernick to everybody, the disrespect of our cops and stuff. I'm wondering, with a stop and frisk Donald Trump talked about, what do you think? Is it constitutional, unconstitutional? What is your personal thought? What do you, what do you think? Look, here's what I know. Before Rudy Giuliani became the mayor of New York City, I think it was about 2,600, 2,500. I don't remember the actual number of uh, people in New York City killed every year. Uh, that number went down after being continued with Bloomberg to about 300, 350. So you add the numbers up and you're talking about saving about 2,200 lives. Now, is there a part of me that worries a little bit about civil liberties with stop and frisk? Yeah, but you know something? I have a license to carry a gun in New York, okay? One of the few people that do. Uh huh. And if the police stop me and frisk me and they see that I have my gun, I'll, I'll always have my, my gun permit with me. I'll show them my gun permit. They'll know it's legal and we can move on. It wouldn't, I I, it wouldn't I offend me. To carry. And I think it's... Yeah, and if it, you're a law-abiding citizen and you respect the police, I think you don't have anything to fear. If the police are held, held accountable, they need to be. We also need to be held accountable. Yeah, you know. Well, and I just I know, all I know is lives have been saved. And what Rudy very shrewdly did is, you know, he said, look, I'm sure the people that lived on Park Avenue in the safest neighborhoods in New York would have loved a little extra police protection. But I couldn't give them a little extra police protection because I consolidated the resources in the very neighborhoods where we knew the crimes were being committed. And many of them happen to be minority neighborhoods. So whose lives were being saved? Minority lives were being saved. And the good and honest and hardworking and taxpaying citizens of those neighborhoods, well, then they felt better because they could go to work and they could know that the crime and the drug dealing and the squeegee guys and everybody else and the homeless people weren't going to ruin their lives. So, yeah, the right. quality of life. Desperately needs that. They, they need desperately that. needed that. Desperately. They needed, they needed it a long time ago. Well, so what I'm saying. Our president let his, his town just, just go down the tubes. All right. Thank you for a good call. Kim in Michigan. We don't have a lot of time, Kim. It's all yours, though. Go ahead. Oh, hey, Sean. Um, I just want to talk about the false narrative about how African-Americans are at greater risk of being killed by the police when statistics actually show that they're about half or a third as likely to be killed by police. Well, I mean, the reality is, is that you know, all these statistics I give about Chicago. Do you know the name of there's been three thousand six hundred and sixty people killed in Chicago? You live in Michigan, not far away. Do you know the name of any one person killed in Chicago in the last eight years? And it's not a I'm not trying to play gotcha. No, and nobody does. And nobody does. That's right. Keith that Lamont Scott was killed. There mm-hmm. were six police involved deaths in the United States. Five of those six were white people. Well, I'm, all I'm saying is, is very, very simple here, is that at the end of the day, is we can save lives. At the end of the day, the reason we don't know who those people are is because, well, this doesn't advance the agenda that Obama and others have been pushing for quite a long period of time. But listen, I've got to run. I do appreciate your call. I wish I had more time for you. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free uh, telephone number. We got, it looks like the Donald Trump interview will, town hall will air tomorrow because of all of what's been going on in Charlotte. 
But we have a great slate of guests that we're going to get to. And uh, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be taking place tonight. Let's see. We've got uh, our reporters on the ground, Newt Gingrich, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, we got uh, Laura Ingram, Larry Elder, Niger Innes, Sheriff Clark, Geraldo. 10 Eastern tonight, the best coverage. And that's when things go nuts for whatever reason. Sad. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.